This is Matt Pennington with Radio Free Asia. Welcome to our new podcast, Eyes on Asia, where we'll be looking each week at some of the key stories in the region as covered by RFA. December the 10th is International Human Rights Day, so we'll be looking at some of the angles that our language services have been exploring to mark that occasion. Sadly, there's never a shortage of subject matter when it comes to human rights in the countries we report on. Later on, I'll be speaking to Unkeo Suksavan of RFA's Laos service. He's been reporting on one of the most egregious cases pursued by Lao authorities against villagers who protested a foreign investment project. It led to multiple arrests, long jail terms, and the death of one person in custody. But first, we turn to Cambodia and the Friday Wives, who in recent weeks have taken to staging protests in Phnom Penh, including outside the Royal Palace. To tell me about it, I am pleased to have with me the Deputy Director of our Khmer Language Service, Vuti Huot. Welcome, Vuti. Uh, thank you for having me. So, Vuti, please tell me about the Friday Wives. Who are they and, and what are they protesting for? These women are wives of a few dozen men who have been detained by the Cambodian authority uh, since early uh, 2020. At first, the wife uh, protests almost every day. Their main goal is for the court to drop all charges against their husbands and set them free. They also demand access to their rights to visit their husband so they can bring food and medicine to them in the prison or just to talk on the phone with their husband. But their peaceful protests have been cracked down violently by the police and security forces. They then reduce their daily protests to once a week, uh, meaning every Friday. Therefore, they are known as the uh, the Friday wives. Okay. Have they had much of an impact, you think, with their weekly protests? Every time they protest, the response from the authority was uh, uh, using uh, violence against them. So I think uh, one of the obvious impact is that uh, protests has been known to uh, Cambodia, uh, to people uh, in Cambodia, and also to the outside world. But uh, in terms of uh, whether they got what they want so far because of the COVID and all that stuff. The authority have all the reason not to grant their requests. I see. So they've gotten public attention, but they haven't really achieved their goals. I see that RFA recently interviewed one of the wives in quite some depth, and she'd been beaten by authorities. Can you tell me a bit about her? One of the uh, women that we interviewed recently uh, by the name of Satpa, she has been uh, beaten so many times for the last 10 years, not only during the uh, Friday Y protest. She was one of the victims of land grabbing in Phnom Penh. She actually is not new to the protest. She joined other women of the Bangkok Lake area to protest against the forced eviction from her home, uh, making way for the development on her land. Uh, actually, she is a widow. Satpa is a widow, but she joined the Friday wife to demand the court to uh, release her cousin. On the day that uh, she was kicked in the leg, causing uh, a serious injury, actually, uh, she told us in a live interview from the hospital that despite the threat and intimidation, she will not 
she will never back off until the detainee have been released. She said that she want to join hand with other women to seek social justice and to end violence against the weak and the poor. Uh, she strongly condemned the arrest of about uh, 40 people so far, including uh, political activists, monks, environmental activists, and even a rapper, because she believed that uh, they are innocent. Okay, there's a wide range of people who've been rounded up um, by Cambodian authorities in recent months. I, I noticed today that there was a group of civil society organizations that said that 120 individuals have been arrested this year by Hun Sen's government for just exercising fundamental freedoms. Among the men who have been arrested, you know, this, uh, these men come from various backgrounds. Some are just businessmen, some are farmers, and even though they come from various backgrounds, but they share the common characteristics uh, they are brave and they dare to speak out against uh, social injustice and dare to express their political view. It may cause the authority to arrest them uh, when they show uh, their support of the planned return from exile of the opposition uh, politician, Mr. Sam Rengsi. Uh, Mr. Sam Rengsi is the former president of the biggest opposition party in Cambodia uh, called the uh, Cambodian National Rescue Party, or CNRP for short. The party has been dissolved by the Prime Minister Hun Sen at the end of uh, 2017, after Hun Sen uh, threatened to arrest uh, uh, Sam Rengsi, the then uh, CNRP president, uh, causing him to uh, exile and after the arrest of the uh, party uh, successor president, Mr. Kem Soka. The international community condemned the CPP, condemned the Prime Minister Hun Sen for this action and demand Prime Minister Hun Sen to restore democracy in Cambodia by releasing the Kam uh, Sokha, the president of the CNRP, and also to give right, to restore right for this opposition politician so that they can exercise their political right. And European Union that uh, have provided Cambodia with trade benefit also demand the same thing from the Prime Minister Hun Sen is to restore democracy in Cambodia. Cambodia is now sort of making it a criminal activity to express any political dissent against Hun Sen. Maybe you could tell me, why do you think Hun Sen is so intent on punishing his political opponents now? Everything is about regime legitimacy for Prime Minister Hun Sen. Even after he dissolved the party and banned all the officials from the opposition party, he always begged them to come back and write a letter to the king so they can come back to the political life and to create another party a new party, of course, not CNRP, but a new party uh, comprising all the uh, official of the CNRP uh, party. But so far, his appeal to this opposition politician has not been successful. So therefore, 
the last resort of Prime Minister Hun Sen is to weaken all this party as much as he can. So he's basically trying to weaken the grassroots of the party so it can't sort of resurface, right? Yes, resurface or regroup in case one day Kamsoka allowed to be free or even Samrinsi uh, allowed to uh, come back to Cambodia to uh, practice his uh, uh, political right. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Ruti, for describing to us the struggles of political opponents and dissenters in Cambodia. Thank you. I'm very glad. Thanks a lot, Ruti. You're listening to Eyes on Asia, a Radio Free Asia podcast. I'm joined by Ungeo Suksavan, who, for a story to mark Human Rights Day, has been looking at the murky Lao judicial system. Welcome, Ungeo. Hi, thanks for having me, Matt. So, Ungeo, you've reported extensively about a long-running case of villages in the southern province of Sekong who were arrested in a land dispute. I think it began back in 2017. Can you tell us the background of this case and how it began and how many people were arrested? Well, it is long story. The land dispute happened in Banjuk village before 2017, when the former governor of the Sekong province gave the Vietnamese investor the land concession for the rubber plantations. So, unfortunately, the concession covers villagers' agricultural lands. Over 50 families have lost over 100 hectares of their lands. The villagers try to get their lands back because they don't have the land to grow rice and crops for living. But the governor and the Vietnamese company disagree to give their lands back. So in 2017, villagers try to take their lands back by cutting rubber trees off. As a result, 15 of them were arrested. That's what happened. Okay. So what's happened since to, to all those people who were arrested? I think some have been released and some are still being held, right? Yes. So far, five villagers are still in prison and nine people were released. One man died in the custody. Police denied to give any details of the death. If he died due to the sickness or if he died due to the physical assault. And I understand that his funeral wasn't public. They kind of did it in secret. Is that right? Yes. Tell me a bit about the court proceedings, because... I think some of these people have been sentenced to several years in prison. Have any of these court proceedings been made public? Villagers were arrested in 2017 and in July 2019 or two years later, they were brought to the court hearing. The court proceedings was not made public and villagers don't have even lawyers to represent them and they cannot even get access to the legal service. That's what happened to them. So how long were the prison terms that some of these people got? They got from two to six years imprisonment, and uh, some of them were released. Okay. If none of these proceedings have been made public, how have you learned about these cases? I mean, I don't know how much you can tell us about how you report on this stuff, because you don't want to put your sources in, in any danger, but how do you learn about what's happening? I have learned from the other villagers and uh, family members of the villagers who were arrested and just a few family members were allowed to be at the court hearing. A relative of the detainee told me that the villagers who were leaders are separately in prison, but the rest are allowed to be with other prisoners. Some villagers have health problems. The symptom is 
their body and legs become the swollen. It sounds like the conditions of detention are very nasty. What's the latest you've heard from what's happening with these detainees? Is there any new information you've been able to find out? Uh, what I have learned is that custody police allow the relatives to visit the detainees twice a month. The protest leader named the Suwan has got a health problem and he is separately detained. Because he's quite outspoken in the past. He was, he was something of a land activist, I think, right? Uh, yes, he's a land activist and he used to be broadcast in the radio in Vientiane. And he has been submitting the complaint letters to the National Assembly and to the Prime Minister's office for the resolution. I see. It's very difficult to find out what's happening in this case. And I think that Radio Free Asia is one of the few outlets that's been able to find out anything about what's going on. So what is your sense of this? Is the case being handled by local authorities or is it the central government? So... At first, the government office used to get involved in addressing the case, but failed. So second governor issued the arrest of the villagers, while Vientiane or central government let it happen. If the central government ordered the province to release villagers, the province will release them. So in general, people understand that the central government give the province a green light to arrest the villagers. I see. Now, ahead of Human Rights Day, you interviewed Phil Robertson of Human Rights Watch. Let's listen to what he says. Well, these people were arrested for protesting the loss of their land, uh, the seizure of their land by a rubber company. And ultimately, they have the right to speak out, exercise freedom of expression, uh, to peacefully protest. Uh, to uh, associate with each other and form an organization to uh, demand justice. None of these things should be criminalized. And the fact that these people are still being prosecuted uh, by the Lao government for these actions is a clear violation of their human rights. Uh, The Lao government should drop the charges against these people, and they should release them immediately and provide them with compensation, uh, not only for the uh, years that they have been held behind bars uh, for doing something that should not have been a criminal uh, offense in the first place, but also, I think, for the uh, loss of their land and and other issues uh, related to the initial dispute uh, connected to the the Vietnamese rubber company that... uh, Phil Robertson's very clear on how the rights of these people have been violated by the Lao government. Now, this case was also brought up by Philip Alston, a UN special rapporteur on extreme poverty and human rights, when after he visited Laos last year. He's been very strongly critical of the Lao government. And I think you were in touch with him again. What what does he say about the country's legal system? He said to me that the Lao legal system is essentially an extension of the view of the party leadership. The police and judiciary understand the role as to carry out the government's order rather than to do justice. That is what the former UN Special Rapporteur told me. I'll, I'll give you one example. The second land dispute case is that the province sold out the villagers land to Vietnamese investor. So based on the land law in Laos, foreign investors are not eligible to buy the land, but they just have the right to rent or lease the land. However, 
In this case, the province authorities sold out the land to investors, so they ignored the law absolutely. And another case that's gotten a lot of attention for Laos is that of the disappearance of Sombat Sompon, who was a very or is a very prominent development and social activist. You spoke to his wife recently, Sombat's wife. Has she learned anything new about his case in the past year? It is so sad that uh, the government does not give her any updates of investigation her husband's whereabouts. She told me nothing new, and the police does not contact her. So I see that you asked Philip Alston about the case of Sombat, and he said that the Lao government's, quote, persistent refusal to undertake any meaningful investigation is a disgrace, quote, very strong stuff. Do you think the Lao government is sensitive to this kind of criticism? And, and do you expect them to take any further action on Sombat's case? A good question, Matt. Of course, the government is too sensitive to the criticism because the Sombat's case has made the government lose the face in the eyes of the international communities. Because Sombat Sompon was abducted in front of the police outpost on the BC road in Vientiane. The video footage shows one of the people who abducted Sombat is in police uniform. During the meeting with the donors and development partners, the government does not like them to raise the Sombat's case. And even Sombat's name, the government does not like. I do not have any expectation that the Lao government will undertake more investigation on Sombat's case. The government always tell the international communities that they are investigating Sombat's whereabouts, but it must take time. In response to what the government said, I have heard the human rights groups always comments that the government want people to forget about Sombat. Right. Well, I mean, this happened back in 2012 and it still got the attention of the international community. And I, I don't think it's the, the case is going to go away from the eye of human rights uh, observers. Umkeo, thank you very much for telling us about your reporting and about the human rights situation in Laos. Thanks. My pleasure. You can read an English language version of the story that Ungao has been reporting on and the work of RFA's other language services at our website, rfa.org. Our past podcasts are at that site or on other platforms like Spotify and iTunes. Just search for Eyes on Asia. Please drop us a line or attach an audio message if you've got any feedback or suggestions. Our email is eyesonasia, that's all one word, at rfa.org. That's all for this week on Eyes on Asia. I'm Matt Pennington with Radio Free Asia. This podcast series is created by Leo Kim and produced by Radio Free Asia. Thank you for listening and please join us again.